Hello and welcome to the NLCC Sermon Podcast. In a moment, we'll listen in on a message from our Sunday morning worship service. But first, if this is your first time tuning into NLCC, we would love for an opportunity to get to know you and walk with you in your faith journey. If you're interested in connecting with this church, head to our website, northliberty.cc, and hit the I'm New button or use the links in the description. Our goal is to help you experience the transformational power of God in your life. And we hope and pray that you find that in this message. Today we conclude our series on why we do and believe certain things here. And today we're going to be concluding with why we believe that God is the one true living God. In 1 Kings chapter 9, it reads, But if you or your descendants turn away from me and do not observe the commands and decrees I have given you and go off to serve other gods and worship them, then I will cut you off from the land and I, that I have given them and will reject this temple I have consecrated for my name. Israel will then become a byword and an object of ridicule among all the people. This temple will become a heap of rubble. All who pass by will be appalled and will scoff and say, why has the Lord does, uh, done such things to this land and to this temple? And people will answer, well, because they have forsaken the Lord their God who brought their ancestors out of Egypt, forsaken the Lord their God and have endured other gods worshiping and serving them. That is why the Lord brought all this disaster on them. You know, one of the reasons we are experiencing the reality of this is this popular worldview or what I would consider today a, a cancel culture or the PC movement uh, we touched a little on last week that has actually, this has been going on for centuries. Uh, it's all absurd, all in the name of tolerance or social or equity justice, but if you believe in the God of the Bible and Jesus, then you, you're, you're hated or canceled without question. And there are many warnings like this 1 Kings chapter 9 warning, uh, warning us that if we start worshiping and serving other gods besides the one true living God, then there will be the destruction of another nation. Here are a few fun facts that kind of gives you an idea of where we're going in so many different ways. But some universities require all incoming freshmen to take a course on uh, the Quran, but they will not allow a required Bible course paid for by taxpayers because it's not uh, politically correct to promote the God of the Bible because it's hate speech and offensive. A few years ago, a school district was challenged to start teaching creation and science alongside of evolution and allow the kids to decide. And I'm okay with that. Put, put, present the facts. Uh, but some argue that creation science is just a theory, and besides that, we're not allowed to talk about the Judeo-Christian God. Uh, did, I don't know if you guys knew this, but it's illegal to destroy an eagle's egg, snails, and insects, but even with the end of Roe v. Wade, it's okay in some states to go ahead and still kill unborn human life, even after birth, because that baby is, uh, is, is not viable, therefore it's not human. And you think about that argument, church, until that fetus or that baby can take care of itself, it is not viable. Therefore, again, it's not human. And that's what happens when we cancel God. Uh, Psalm 139, 
for God created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I, I praise you because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in that secret place. Your eyes saw my unformed body. Isaiah 44 says, this is what the Lord says. He who made you, who formed you in the womb. Jeremiah 1.5 says, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you before you were born, I set you apart. Jerry Falwell was attacked by uh, the liberal cancel culture of, of, for, for saying that Islam was a violent uh, a religion and, and, the, and the God that they worshiped is, is not the same God of the Bible, but there was no objection or condemnation when the next day all the headlines read, Muslim clerics say Falwell should be shot dead. There are some ideas that are being accepted today in the name of tolerance, diversity, social justice, the politically correctness that are obvious non-truths. And some of those non-truths are one religion is just as good as another. A woman has a right to end the life of her unborn child because they claim it's not human but science and God says otherwise. Sexual orientation uh, is a natural as you want it to be. Opposing it is hateful. Evolution and, and is a scientific fact. Creation is an outdated religious myth or theory. All truth is relative. The most important view, virtue in today's world is tolerance unless you disagree with their truth. Racial prejudice will only be resolved by forced government regulations or reverse discrimination. The environment and animals are more sacred than human life. Violence is now an acceptable form of free speech depending on what side you're arguing. Transgenderism or gender identity has become a vogue and is being forced on our kids and if you speak against it, you are anti-science. Separation of church and state means uh, uh, no Judeo-Christian uh, religious speech permitted in any public area, but all this other stuff is encouraged and pushed without question. Church, I'm going to tell you what the problem is. It's the fact that it's a heart issue and it's a God issue. That's what's going on in our world today, and the church needs to wake up to those, that reality. Uh, there, these ideas are being repeated so often, so effectively, that people have come to accept them as true, regardless of how ridiculous and untrue they are. William James says, there is no idea so absurd, but if repeated enough, will eventually come to be believed. Isaiah says in his letter, woe to those who call good, evil good and, and, and good evil, but dar and who put darkness for light and light for darkness. Woe to those who are wise in their own eyes and clever in their own sight. Isaiah is describing our situation today. In our intellectual pride and moral relativism, we have rejected God and his truth, reversed good and evil, and the result is a society falling apart. And I want to talk about why North Liberty Church of Christ believes that God is the, the God of the Bible, the, the one true living God, uh, just as we spoke about Jesus being the only way to God. Uh, and, and, and with a few of the things that I've already mentioned, I, I, I want the body of believers to understand that we believe the Bible to be the infallible word of God around here. That's why we preach and teach it. Psalm 90 says, Lord, you have been our dwelling place uh, for, throughout all generations before the mountains were born or you brought forth the earth and the world from everlasting to everlasting you are God 
and also church for the church for us to live up to the, the reasons why we believe uh, and do certain spiritual disciplines around our teachings from God's word, whether it is something that we are uh, blessed with creating ourselves or borrow from other a gift of spiritual men and women, no matter the source, as long as it is the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ and the one true living God. Just as Paul would share in his letter to the, the Philippian church in chapter one, or as Solomon, or, uh, Solomon would say, there's nothing new under the sun, or as Jesus taught uh, to the, his disciples in Luke chapter nine. And so Paul wrote to the Roman Christians who were struggling with spiritual matters and doctrine to stop living under suspicion and false rumors and emotions and half-truths because it is not honoring the God we worship and serve. Romans chapter one, uh, or 12, Paul says, do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good and pleasing and perfect will. You see, the God of the Bible tells us Christians that we uh, are to believe and live against cultural beliefs and standards and practices. We are warned in the Bible that Satan is the father of lies and there is no truth in him. We are encouraged by God to love the truth and test the truth and stand firm in the truth and defend the truth. And God is part of that truth that we defend, especially uh, people who have received his son as life. John 17, now this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. You see, the foundation for our Christian faith is this, that there is only one true God that we can personally know and live for. This faith uh, goes totally against the PC culture of our, of our day, which says that we can't know God and we're not ex accountable to a God that doesn't exist, or there is no God, or there are many gods. And we, we need to be able to identify the lies and be able to challenge them when, with God's truth and who he actually is. So uh, just two weeks ago, the, Far, or the Fargo, North Dakota Board of Education voted to no longer uh, recite the Pledge of Allegiance before board meetings. And, you know, how, it, it doesn't matter how you feel about, but, about that, but this is why. They argued that if it ran a counter to the district's philosophy, and here's their philosophy. Given that the word of God, or the word God, in the text of the Pledge of Allegiance is capitalized, the text is clearly referring to the Judeo-Christian God, and therefore it does not include any other faith such as Islam, Buddhism, Hinduism. Saying that this made, uh, saying, uh, that this made the Pledge of Allegiance a non-inclusionary uh, an act, and beginning each meeting with a non-inclusionary act ran contrary to diversity and equity and inclusion priorities of the school district. They also argued that, that there was a text within the Pledge of Allegiance that is simply not true, and I quote, the statement that we are one nation under God is, is the Judeo-Christian God is simply untrue, an untrue statement. We are one nation under many gods or no God. And that's where we've come. But let me remind you of our founding father, Patrick Henry, uh, in 1776, just a few years ago. He said, it cannot be emphasized too strongly or too often that this great nation was founded not by religionists, but by Christians, not on religions, but on the gospel of Jesus Christ. And here it is. For that reason alone, he says, people of other faiths have been afforded freedom of worship here. 
Because of the foundation of God and the Lord Jesus Christ, other religions have the freedom to worship just as we do. Jesus and God are not exclusive, but they are the only Lord, Savior, and God. As you well know, the church, God, is under a full frontal attack from the enemy. He's already done a good job at killing and stealing and destroying certain aspects of the body of Christ throughout our nation. He has gotten the church to battle each other rather than focusing our fight against him. He has stolen much joy and and peace and generosity and loyalty and servanthood from those who have claimed Jesus as their Lord and Savior. He has gotten uh, us to believe that we don't have the time or the desire to reconcile uh, with those that have somehow hurt us, whether real or not. He has, he, he has claimed victory in the areas of causing division over issues that have no bearing on salvation. He has caused the church to be suspicious and bitter towards the very people uh, we worship the one true living God with. He has caused serious this discouragement in the hearts and minds of those whose minds and hearts belong to God that are supposed to be fighting in the trenches together the good fight of our Lord Jesus Christ. And it comes in many forms because because when someone uh, no longer participates, uh, that in, in and of itself causes heartache and discouragement, which, which causes serious damage to the body and, and continuation of what Satan's attempt, his goal really is for the church, to destroy it. Satan, the one we don't love and worship, seems to have more of our attention and loyalty than the one true living God that we claim as our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And if we, the church across the world, want to reclaim those blessings and territories that God has graciously given the body of Christ, then we better understand the seriousness of who he is and why we believe him to be the one true living God. When we started this series, we established that the Bible is the infallible word of God. You'll never convince me otherwise. And so we need to understand that the the biblical view's foundation is a belief in the creator God, right? Genesis 1-1 starts it all. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Moses even asked God when God was sending him to to Egypt to free the slaves. He goes, well, who am I supposed to say sent me? And God said, you tell them I am sent you. I am sent you. Last week, I was watching the final round of the uh, FedEx uh, St. Jude uh, Champion Golf uh, Tournament there in, in Southwind Course in Tennessee, and they started, uh, comment, the commentators were talking about how awesome the golf course was, how beautiful it was, and they even mentioned the designer, uh, but they didn't mention who the designer was, uh, which is Ron uh, Pritchard, but they did not assume that that golf course uh, was, that, that impressive golf course was there uh, by chance, that someone had designed it. No one thought it was an accident. And when we see order, we assume a designer. And so the universe and the human body are much more impressive than a golf course. The fool says in his heart, there is no God. Romans 1.20 says, for since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature has been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made so that men are without excuse. The reason I touch on evolution is because almost all evolutionists, not, not all, uh, almost, but argue is, is their argument is to explain that life came to be without God. And the more that is repeated and taught so effectively as it is, uh, many Christians have come to believe it to be nothing but the truth, so help them God. 
Uh, for us to believe that God uh, uh, is God, then we have to acknowledge that God established absolute standards for mankind to live by in order to have order from the beginning of time. He established the rules for Adam and Eve in the garden. He later communicated you know, those standards through the Ten Commandments at Mount Sinai. And after Jesus ascended into heaven, we now have the written word of God, the Bible. See, the foundation of our entire law system comes from God's word. And because we don't and, and won't follow his standards, we find ourselves in the condition that we do today. Anarchy and hate and fear and chaos and less and less of God. Hence, the destruction of another nation from within. Deuteronomy says, if you ever forget the Lord your God and follow other gods and worship and bow down to them, I testify against you today, saying that you will surely be destroyed. Like the nations the Lord destroyed before you, so you will be destroyed for not obeying the Lord your God. And that argument alone is indicating that there is a God. They believe in a God in that very statement. The Bible claims without any doubt all scripture is God-breathed uh, and inspired by God. First Timothy chapter 3, we, we learn God's word not by uh, speculation or, or feelings or, or man's wisdom, but by revelation from God himself through the Holy Spirit. We, when, when we listen to and follow God's word on any issue, we will have order back in our society, across the world. Noah Webster, years ago, one of our founding fathers said, all the miseries and evils which men suffer from vice and crime and ambition and injustice and oppression and slavery and war proceed from their despising or neglecting the precepts contained in the word of God. 1643, the original colonies had a charter that said we all came into these parts of America with one and the same end and aim, namely to advance the kingdom of our Lord Jesus Christ in God. Things sure have changed from our founding of honoring the one true living God and promoting the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we wonder why we are a nation wandering around in the wilderness today. The secular worldview is that there are no absolutes. There is no God. Man sets his own rules. Each culture determines right and wrong. And, and the only, uh, only thing wrong is being an intolerant believer in this one true living God or Jesus Christ. Th that is why moral relativism is the dominant virtue of the PC culture, cancel culture today. This is what happens when you remove God from the equation. We, maybe we miss our our culture changing or maybe you know we agreed with the slow you know uh, definition change of definitions of what uh, tolerance was uh, years ago because when our grandparents uh, spoke of tolerance as a virtue they meant we should respect and treat them kindly even when we believe they are wrong that's how Jesus managed his ministry Today's tolerance means never thinking anyone else's beliefs are, are wrong in the first place unless you disagree with them and try to promote your God. And then the hate and destruction of your own life begins to follow because you're no longer viable and have no human value. According to God, man's basic culture is sinful, right? 
Uh, now, we're not responsible for uh, or will be judged by what Adam, his sin, but, but our own sin unless we repent of it. And God says, I'll throw it in the depths of the sea when you receive my son. Uh, but, but when Adam and Eve introduced sin, the entire world became contaminated with this virus causing a, a generational or worldwide pandemic. We, we are born with sinful desires, the flesh and the spirit. Paul struggled with this all the time. He wrote about it in Galatians and, and Romans. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 26 that the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. And if God says that we're, gonna, that we're supposed to obey our parents, you can bet within, by the time you're two years old, you're going to somehow dis, uh, disobey your parents in some fashion. God says, do not take my name in vain, but we'll use his name as a cuss word instead of using the, the hundreds of cuss words or other words that we could use you know, other than using his name. God says, in our flesh, in our flesh, there dwells no good. The opposite teaching from God is that all people are basically good. And so if, if a person continually breaks the law of man or of God, well, instead of holding that person accountable, we should consider what circumstances caused them to react the way they did. And if we can't figure it out, you know, uh, then let it go. No big deal, no harm done unless it's in your, in, in your backyard or done to your family or you personally or your belief systems, and then the fight is on. But look at what is going on in our corner of the world. Violent criminals are being released almost upon the hour of their arrest and, and, and what's been happening? They repeat and end up killing innocent people all in the name of what? Uh, just last week, maybe you saw the video on the news, but there was a New York man who a, few, a number of years ago, he was convicted of armed robbery. He did, he did spend uh, some time in jail. Uh, he was released. A couple years after that, he re raped a 17-year-old girl. He was released. And last week, uh, he was arrested for attempted murder, and the man is still in, in, in coma to this very day, but he was released the next morning on a misdemeanor. Woe to those who call evil good and good evil and who put darkness for light and light for darkness. Ecclesiastes 8 says something extremely interesting. When the sentence for a crime is not quickly carried out, the hearts of the people are filled with schemes to do wrong. In other words, that same person who didn't get punished for the heinous crime they did will do something again. They, they say, rather than calling evil behavior evil like God does, if we create the right environment without a God, then people will always get better. No, they won't. Evil will be eradicated only when we begin to acknowledge God, that God is God and we start falling in love with Jesus. And that brings me to a very important truth here. God came to visit this earth in the form of Jesus Christ, right? You, you all know that. I'm preaching to the choir here. John chapter one, though, says, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God. And the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that was made uh, in him. In him uh, was life, and that life was the light of men. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the only one true God who came from Father, the Father God, full of grace and truth. Full of grace and truth. That's the real God that we serve. That's the real God that we worship. He came as the only begotten son of God who lived a sinless life, who performed miracles to verify his deity. He, he, he died an atoning death for our sins and then he conquered the grave and lives forever at the right hand of God. John 17 says, now this is eternal life that 
they may know you, the one true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. Truth is re isn't relative, it's revealed, right? John chapter 8, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. In John chapter 14, Jesus talked about how he is, I am the, 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 I am the truth, he says. We talked about this truth of Jesus being the only way to God last week, but let me reiterate because the word without God might, the world without God might say, well, Jesus was just a good teacher, that he was a founder of one of the, the world's major religions, but his word is not above any other religious leader. And trying to convert people to the God of the Bible is bigotry. Well, church, the God of the Bible, the one true living God, says that through Jesus Christ there is hope for everyone who will believe in God. No other God provides for that. In John chapter 11, Jesus says, I am uh, the resurrection and the life, and he who believes in me will live even though he dies. And, and, and for those who don't believe in, in the God of the Bible, for them, there is nothing beyond the grave. There is no assurance, no meaning, no hope. Uh, life just ends in despair. And, and, and that is the reason why there is no virtue, no value on human life today. Art Linkletter uh, when he, he did a show, if you guys remember that, but he had an interview with a, a kid, and he said, uh, I interviewed one little boy who was extremely sad, and he asked, well, what's wrong? And the boy says, well, my dog died this morning. And Art tried to comfort him, and he said, your dog is in heaven with God. And the boy got a little strange look on his head, and he said, uh, asked, well, what would God want with a dead dog? <laughs> I have heard worse from the mouths of kids within our own community that have said they've never heard of Jesus or God. Right here in North Liberty, Indiana. You know how sad that is? That is extremely sad. And may I encourage the body of Christ to please stop the grumblings and the slanders, and I'm talking to church across America, on things you only have a fraction of the truth on. Stop the hate and bitterness and the self-righteous, uh, sanctimonious, pharisaical hypocrisy because the living God says we are better than to act like people who don't believe in God. In fact, many non-Christians act better than some Christians. So why don't the church who claims to believe in this one true living God and start living in such a way as they do so that the rest of the world will recognize that we belong to him. You want to change the world? Start believing in the one true living God that you claim to believe in. Start presenting him in a positive light. Start talking about Jesus and how he has changed your life, and you're going to start attracting people to them. Because if we don't believe that God is God and, and he alone has a power to raise the dead, then our life ends in sadness. And ultimately, the, the, the liberal PC cancel culture uh, point of view leads to that selfish indulgence and hate and ultimately it ruin. Romans chapter 1, Paul speaks of those who engage the truth of God for a lie and worship and, and serve created things rather than the creator who is forever praised. Forever praised, church. And since there are so many denying the existence of God or, or running away from him because they don't want to, uh, you know, their, uh, their own thing, they want to be able to do their own thing without, God, uh, without a God telling them or holding them accountable to a higher standards, they're afraid because, you know, they think that this God that we worship is going to, he's so excited about sending everybody into hell. Well, 
that, that's not the truth about the one true living God. It's not. Since so many get, 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 uh, are getting sucked into this PC cancel culture, even canceling out God, I'd like to suggest some ways that, that we can respond to the lies and, and start developing a, a, developing a biblical worldview that the God of, of the Bible would be honored by, especially from his bride. Like most anything, we need to humble ourselves by acknowledging that he is God and accepting his word as truth. And it's pretty evident that our world doesn't accept God as truth because they love their sin and they don't want to change. John chapter 3, uh, verse 16. Remember, this was right after Jesus said, for, for God so loved the world. And he goes into this a few verses later. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world, meaning Jesus, but men love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. They didn't want to believe in God. Because that means all the fun stuff comes out of our lives. That's ridiculous. I mean, do you realize that, even, uh, that an atheist can't find God for the same reason that a thief uh, can't find a policeman? They don't want to find one. I believe the main reason, though, people reject God as truth, as even existing, is because of pride. The apostle Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 1, for the, for the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to those who are being saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, the intelligence of the intelligent, I will frustrate. What is, where's the wise man? Where's the scholar? Where's the philosopher of this age? Has not God made the foolish the, the wisdom of the world? For since the, the wisdom of God, the world through its wisdom did not know him. God was pleased through the foolishness of what was preached, Jesus, to save those who believe. I mean, you want to know who God is and what he's about? Look at the cross, and you can't miss him. That's his story, and that's our story. And that's the story we need to be sharing with the world who's living in chaos. When the disciples asked Jesus who was going to be the greatest in the kingdom of heaven, he says in Matthew 18, whoever humbles himself and, 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 like this little child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And so we have to humble ourselves before God and accept him as the truth. In Acts chapter 17, the apostle Paul was in Athens to share the gospel of Jesus. And, and while doing so, it says, he says, it says he was greatly distressed to see that the city was full of idols. And so Athens was a diverse city believing in many gods. And Paul was heartbroken uh, at what he was seeing, but he didn't say, oh, wow, I'm so impressed. They, they, they worship so many different gods. This is cool, man. Uh, nope, he, as he's preaching about Jesus being the only way to the one true living God, he's being very truthful, loving, gracious, and very cunning. And these philosophers say in verse 18, what's this babbler trying to say? And Paul was very keen in drawing these intellectuals in for a Jesus encounter. He impressed the philosophers of the city who loved to hear new ideas about new gods. They prided themselves in diversity. And so Paul opens his argument and he says, I see that you are very religious. He didn't attack them. He says, I see you're very religious, but I, I notice an idol to an unknown god. I, I, I want to tell you about that God so that you can worship him intelligently and know who you are dealing with. This is the God who made the world. You don't make him. Wow. I've read that passage a zillion times and I missed that part where it says you don't make him. We don't make gods. There is one true living God that we worship 
And that's why we come in this building as the bride of Christ to serve and worship him only. Uh, he goes on to say he is not far from us. You can know him. He revealed himself in the person of Jesus Christ who has risen from the dead and one day will be your judge. And to be you know, uh, expected, some of the Athenian intellectuals mocked at the idea of one true God and this resurrection from the dead. And others said in verse 32, we'd like to hear more about this. Some believe, but not even Paul convinced the majority to believe in God. Yet he, he stood alone against the PC culture of his day, which took a lot of courage to go against the grain, knowing that it might cost him his life. In 1 Corinthians chapter 16, be on your guard, he says, stand firm in the faith, the men, uh, be men of courage, be strong, do everything in love. And so speak up when, when you have the chance, church, and, be, and choose your words carefully. Guard your tongue. Don't get angry. If you're going to get sarcastic and defensive and condescending or legalistic like the Pharisees of Jesus' day, you might win an argument or two here and there, but you will lose influence. You'll, you'll lose influence. Leonardo da Vinci, you guys probably heard that name, he said years ago, he who truly knows has no occasion to shout. You know how awesome that is? That's so true. I, I, I kept thinking of this statement when, as I watch these political reaction videos, that's what I do at night instead of watching TV anymore. Uh, but this young lady, girl, went around to all the different universities throughout our country to interview university students, and, and she would ask political questions, but she would ask any student or whatever if they would like to participate in, the, in this little thing, and they'd be on YouTube, and, but she was very polite about it. Um, but the, one of the college girls that she asked she, uh, wanted to participate, and uh, uh, so she was all excited about it, and she kept making this statement, knowledge is power. Not the interviewer, but the college student. And the interviewer was quoting uh, Justice Department and scientific and cultural facts, secular stats, and the other girl was listening, you know, and you could, you could tell she was getting a little agitated, but she kept going back to, what about, what about, what about? But she couldn't back up any of her arguments with facts. And yet she kept saying, knowledge is power. She was hoping to convince this other girl that whatever she was arguing was wrong, but she didn't want to have real knowledge of truth. That's why she kept doing what she was doing. And then she started in how evil the police were. Uh, but the young people, and speaking of our police, you, you guys, you know what's going on in our world. We need to be praying for them day and night. Pray for your, the people that protect us, the military, even our politicians. Pray that God's spirit will move in powerful ways and do what he needs to do. Uh, but, but she stated how evil police uh, are, but the, the young lady doing the interview kept uh, quoting uh, you know, state and local stats, and, and the young lady was, it being interviewed was being very, becoming very agitated because all her arguments became more and more about emotion rather than fact. And you could see her, she started texting somebody, and I'm like, well, you know, that's kind of rude. Uh, have you ever had a conversation with somebody and they're texting? You're like, hello, I'm right here. Um, but uh, within, within five minutes... The interview was still going on. You could watch the whole thing. A police officer came up. She texted one of her friends to go get a policeman, the very people that she said are evil. And, and there, he's there on his bike, and uh, she ran to him. She started, you know, crocodile tears. Oh, my gosh, this girl over here is being abusive. She's asking me offensive questions, and it just went on and on. And, again, she, it was pretty telling that she, she didn't know what she was talking about but loved to say knowledge is power. There, there wasn't much knowledge coming out of her mouth, and there was no power in her argument other than hypocrisy and anger and accusations. In church, as a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, Peter says this, but in your hearts, set Christ 
uh, a part as, as Christ and as Lord, always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. Keep uh, a clear conscience so that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ, they may be ashamed of their slander against you. You want people to start believing in your Lord and Savior and, and God, you treat them with respect. You can speak the truth. You can love them. You don't have to agree with them. And as Paul, as Jesus would say, if they disagree, then you shake the dust off your feet and you move on to somebody who's willing to hear. But you planted a seed. You want people to believe in God and start planting the seeds instead of going to war with them. You'll never do anything there. Uh, he goes on to say, uh, let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. Church family, if you want people to believe that, 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 that the, the God that we worship is the one true living God, then you better believe it yourself and do your best to, be the kind, uh, to live the kind of life that God desires from us and have an answer for those who ask you of the hope that you have and the faith that you have. And parents, if you want your children to be a powerful impact uh, for God, for that next generation of intellectuals, then you need to set the tone in your homes. This is not the church's job. This is not teacher's jobs. This is your job. Don't, don't let this happen by chance. Do what Moses encouraged parents to do. In Deuteronomy 6 and even 11, these commandments that I give you today are to be upon your hearts and impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you're walking along the way or traveling on vacation somewhere. When you lie down and when you get up, tie them as symbols on your hands and then bind them on your foreheads and write them on the door frames of your homes and your gates so that every time your kids come home, even yourself, you're gonna know that God is God you're going to know he's right there with you and before the passages before any of those passages that talk like that it always says this before you teach your kids about to God it says do not be enticed to turn away and worship other gods but this is what you need to do if we do turn from God then maybe Time Magazine's prediction about people in the 21st century that they will have no knowledge, no interest, and no need of God, which will manifest itself in very evil ways. Have you watched the news lately? There is nothing but evil out there right now, and it's prevalent, and it's moving like a snowball down a huge mountain, and the church has just kind of gotten out of the way. I don't want any part of that. The church needs to stand up for the truth. We need to promote Jesus. We need to promote God. Parents, Christian leaders, adult leaders, maybe it's time to get serious and screen all your kids' programs and their entertainment and their education. It's time for you to say with Joshua, I choose this day whom I will serve, but as far as me and my house, we will serve the one true living God. Will you answer like that? Be confident in, uh, in God and his truth. His, his truth always prevails in the end. Men can suppress the truth, laugh at the truth, ignore the truth, and exchange the truth of God for a lie, but don't get discouraged, truth, because truth always survives and wins in the end. And so stay in the trenches and fight that good fight. Satan cannot prevail against the church. He might destroy the local church, but he cannot prevail against the church of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Jesus promised in Matthew 24, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. 
The Bible promises that one day every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. It's going to happen. What side of the argument will you stand? Don't apologize for believing in God and, and his living word. As Paul would say in Romans 1, I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God for the salvation for everyone who believes. I know that the Bible is not a scientific uh, textbook, but where it touches on science, it is dead on accurate because all scripture is God-breathed. All scripture is inspired by God. The Bible is a book that teaches about God, our creator, our judge, and our savior. We can know him not because we're smart enough to figure him out, but because he has revealed himself in such a beautiful way through the person of Jesus Christ. And so Jesus said in John 17, now this is eternal life that they may know you, the only true God in Jesus Christ whom you sent. If you were to take a serious and honest look at the two worldviews that we've touched on the last couple weeks, a biblical worldview that begins with God and ends with hope, the hope of salvation through Jesus Christ, or a secular worldview begins and ends with a question mark without God. Church, you have the freedom to choose where your existence ends. Uh, the prophet Jeremiah said in 29, you will seek me and you will find me when you seek me with all of your heart. If you really want to know the one true living God, you will find him again if you are honestly seeking him out with all of your heart. Not just when you have time. Not in between, you know, uh, half time in a football game but earnestly seeking him out. Hebrews 11 says, now faith is being sure of what we have hoped for uh, and certain of what we do not see. And without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists that he, and that he will reward those who earnestly seek him. And so church, are you seeking out God? Are you seeking to please and serve him only? Because if so, You'll find him because you can't miss him. If you found value in this message, then we want to encourage you to subscribe to this channel. And if you know someone who needs to hear this message, then please share it with them. NLCC has another podcast called The Other Six, where we discuss what it looks like to have an everyday faith on the other six days of the week. You can find that wherever you listen to your podcasts or there's a video version on our YouTube channel. Thank you for listening in and participating with us. We look forward to doing this again with you next week.